Again, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The word of the Lord. We're really tearing through the book of Acts here, three verses. For fun, this is just a personal anecdote. I'm reading a, listening on an audiobook to a series, like a, an epic fantasy series that's 10 books long, and the author has written four of them. And there is a refrain in the book where he keeps saying, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I think that's kind of what it is for Acts. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And are we getting what the Lord wants us to learn as we go through this journey? You know, we can study any part of the Bible as long as we're learning and, and, and learning to kind of follow Christ and to love him more, then I think that's a success. So uh, if you do need a Bible, you can raise your hand and Alan will get it for you. Anyone? Anyone? Just to, just to see Alan get you a Bible? All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this service and uh, being together. You know, I know we're sort of socially distanced here, and it's, it's fun to see each other, though. It's special. And uh, I know we do miss our friends and our, our kind of our fellowship church community that's online, and so we pray for them, too. But I uh, pray that we would just all hear from you right now through your word, uh, through, through the journey, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have an interesting question today. I don't know if this question is for all of you or one or two or three of you. This is really, it's the Holy Spirit will have to, to bridge that gap to speak to you. But my question is, is God calling you to ministry? Is God calling you to ministry? Do you ever sense that God might want you to serve him in like church ministry or missions? I'm not talking about like frontline ministry. That's something we talk about a lot here at Cornerstone, that where God places you in your career as a lawyer or doctor or nurse, teacher, God wants to use you in that place. That's really important. But today I'm going to talk especially about Christian ministry, about church ministry, about like kind of this, this full-time calling where you're serving the church or a missions organization. Because today's passage is about that. Today's passage is about the launch of a global missions effort that will change the world, that is changing the world still today. And God might want you to be a part of it. God might be calling you to, to give your life to full-time ministry. And so I want you to ask, Lord, do you want me to do this? Is this, something that, this, is this message for me today? And some of you might be thinking, well, this is just for the teenagers or for like the college students. No, it might be for you too. I, I, I almost pointed at you guys. <laughs> I am actually pointing at you. It might be for you guys. It might be for you. It could be for anyone in here. You don't know what God's going to do. So let's see what he might do. Uh, and I just wanted to share a little bit of my personal story. So God began to call me to ministry when I was 12 years old. 12 years old. I mean, uh, who, who does that? God. God does that. 
It happened, I think, well, and this is just kind of me piecemealing the story back together in my own mind, but when my, my, my friend, he walked into Sunday school one week, he, said he had a dream where God told him that he was going to be a pastor one day. And reflecting on it, I think I, I felt things like, wow, that's really cool, but God would never call me to do that. Like, I'm not good enough for that. He's actually not a pastor yet, and I am. <laughs> so what do you know? But God was putting something deep in my heart of like, man, maybe, maybe you could do something like that. Maybe you've felt some similar thoughts, right? You, I would sit in like the sanctuary and the pews and listen to pastors preach or people give talks. And I'd be like, I wonder if I could do that. Apparently, that's not a normal thought. Maybe you think of that sometimes. Maybe I could do that or something else along those lines within kind of ministry. When I was a little bit old, well, I was kind of around this age, I would I remember this one time when I was going on a hike with my brother, and we were kind of going up these windy dirt trails, and I can still, I think I remember where we were, and uh, I was like making sermon illustrations as we were going along. I was like, ah, oh, you know, the Christian life is like walking on a dirt road where you're kind of going up and down, and it winds back and forth. And I told my brother, and he was not impressed. Maybe you do things like that. I tried to run away from Jesus, and I think even this kind of this calling uh, in high school through rebellion, where I, I, I just chose to do life my way, and sure was fun, sure had a lot of guilt with it, wasn't life-giving, uh, but like the story of Jonah, God just kind of picked me up and spat me out where he wanted me, so maybe he'll do that with you if, if you run away from his calling. It was in college that my, like the first person who verbalized to me like, hey, maybe you're called to ministry when my college pastor said, hey, maybe you, go to, you should go to seminary. My heart leapt at the idea. Maybe God is calling you, hey, maybe you should go to seminary. Maybe you should go to Bible school. Maybe you should do missions work. I don't know. This is convicting, right? I wouldn't ignore that feeling if you have that feeling. God might want to explore that feeling with you. Now, I wasn't ready yet, so I told myself, well, now in 10 years, I'll go and be a pastor. I'll be like a second career pastor. You know, I'll make a lot of money. Then no one will have to give me money, and it'll be easy. <laughs> I was just like, and I also kind of like promoted my future self. I was like, well, I won't be a pastor, but I'll be like a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or an elder I was just coming up with lots of excuses, right? Lots of things that I wouldn't have to kind of take that next step. So I graduated from college, business undergrad, and I joined the Farm Credit Administration. And it, it was not life-giving for me. I know many other people, they really enjoyed it, but it was killing me. It might have killed you too if you did the job that I did. Um, but God used that. Sometimes God uses boredom to call to ministry. To say, this isn't what's going to give your heart life. This isn't what's going to give your heart joy. And so that year when I was down in McLean, Virginia, I began to pray about uh, seminary. And uh, I just prayed that the Lord would send me to seminary. I didn't really have a whole lot of faith that he would, but be careful what you pray for, because he might do it. And he did. I went home one weekend and shared with my dad, like, hey, what do you think about me going to seminary? And he said, well, if there's Anything else you can do besides be a pastor, you should probably do it. So, super like, woohoo, rah, hoorah, go for it. No, he was like, well, you know, it needs to be like a calling, right? And I think that's true. One of uh, 
Monica's pastor said something similar. You know, can you do anything else but ministry? Well, then, if you can do anything else, then you should probably do that other thing. You know, if, if you find joy in doing law or, or being an engineer or being a teacher, then that's probably what God's calling you to. But if you can't help but do missions or ministry or the pastor, then that's what you need to do. And it's a, it's a winding trail. It has ups and downs, kind of like a, a, dirt, uh, a dirt pathway. I finally used the illustration. That weekend when I was home visiting my family, talking with my dad about joining ministry, uh, I went to church and my pastor preached on Psalm 90, which is all about like not wasting your life. And his first words, I think his first words, the ones I remember were something like, if there's something you know you're supposed to do, go and do it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, Lord, well, I guess you're calling me to seminary. So I actually went and checked out Dallas Theological Seminary because I was in the area for work, and the Lord was not calling me there. And uh, he ended up calling me to Gordon-Conwell in Hamilton. And then he's just kind of taken care of each step, called me to Emmanuel Church, and then Cornerstone here with you guys. Do you sense God might be calling you to ministry? Maybe this is something that you're to explore, and, and you can, maybe you can shake your head and say, no, <laughs> I don't believe God's calling me to ministry. That doesn't mean this sermon's not for you. Maybe you don't even believe in Christianity. Well, if you don't believe in Christianity, I think this is still an interesting sermon to hear because it helps explain, like, who are these people that become pastors and missionaries? Uh, and if, if you don't sense God calling you, then that doesn't release you any either. Like You're called to pray for those people. You're called to pray that the Lord would raise up people within our church that would do missionary work and Christian ministry. But if you sense God calling you, don't ignore him. Don't ignore that nudge. The Holy Spirit might be calling you to ministry. The Holy Spirit might be calling you to ministry. I want to tell you about a church where the Holy Spirit called people to ministry, where he set them aside and sent them out to start a worldwide Christian movement that's still growing and still multiplying and still changing hearts and lives today. You could be a part of it in a little bit more of an active, special way. Verse 1 says, now there, we're in the church at Antioch, and we've learned about this church at Antioch already, north of Jerusalem in kind of Turkey at this church in Antioch, there was prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So here we find like the all-stars of Christian ministry. <laughs> this is what it tells us, that the Holy Spirit can call anyone. The Holy Spirit can call anyone, even you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit could be calling you to ministry. So let's look at each one of these people. I want to kind of slow down and look at them because they're, they're interesting when you, when you focus on them. Maybe they'll remind yourself of your story or maybe they'll kind of say this is who you're becoming or there's a little bit of overlap with you and that's good. So let's look at Barnabas. Now we've talked about Barnabas. He's, he's, like, the, the, uh, he's like the hidden all-star of the book of Acts. And I think I realized what a presence Barnabas has in the book of Acts. So you think about Peter and you think about Paul. Barnabas had a major role in the book of Acts. He is known, he is trusted, and he is experienced. And God calls him 
to be a missionary. And God might be calling you to be a missionary if you're known, trusted, and experienced. He might be. We met him, Barnabas, back in Acts chapter 4 when he sold his property and he gave it to the apostles. Uh, He was originally called Joseph and they renamed him to Barnabas because that means son of encouragement. He was known and trusted in the church. He was kind of like a trusted commodity. He vouched for Saul, became Paul, in Acts chapter 9 after Saul's conversion on the Damascus Road. And then the church, when there was like these Gentiles, these non-Jews coming to faith in Christ in Acts 11, the church uh, sent him up to investigate. And sometimes God takes someone who is in a church setting, who is known, trusted, and experienced, and sends them out. It's like, you don't want to lose that person. But sometimes God sends them out. And you got to trust that, like, man, if, if God called like, everyone in this room, said, I'm going to make you a missionary or a minister, or I'm just going to send you out, we got to trust that God would then bring back even more and grow the ministry even more. Somehow that sending would lead to further multiplication within our own church. Maybe you helped found Cornerstone in 2015, and that was like, I've been sent. That's great. God still might want to send you again. Maybe you helped found Emmanuel Church in 1896. <laughs> None of you were here, were you? God might be calling you to ministry. I suspect Barnabas was an older man. I, I don't think he was a, a young all-star. I think he was experienced. I think he was older. God might be calling you to a second career in ministry or missions. When I was at my doctorate of ministry program in October, one of our professors, he mentioned how when retirement was first imagined, it was imagined as a never-ending vacation. (laughs) And you can kind of see that, right, with the retirement communities that are built around golf courses and just kind of spending your days being entertained. And he said, like, that's rung a little bit hollow, that view of retirement, the never-ending vacation. Because if you are in your 60s, 70s, 80s, God, like you have years of experience, years of experience and knowledge that I don't have, God might want to take you and make this the most fruitful time of your life. Or you don't have to fundraise. You're in those retirement years and God wants to, to work through you He wants to send you to the mountains of Afghanistan or the the jungles of Brazil or the plains of Mongolia to share the love of Christ. I recently watched a sermon by John Piper called, uh, well, I don't know what the sermon was called, but it was was the Passion Conference. Passion is like this missions conference, or at least it was. I think it's morphed a little bit. He preached this sermon that's kind of famous at the one day, it's called Passion One Day, and it was in the year 2000. It was in Shelby Farms, Tennessee. Anyone was there? Is anyone there? Shelby Farms, Tennessee? Uh, Apparently this this conference and Piper's preaching led to a lot of people giving their life to missions efforts. And Piper actually talked about two, uh, the death of two of his church's missionaries. Ruby Ellison was an 80-year-old missionary. She gave her entire life to sharing Christ to the unreached, means people who have never heard about Jesus, to the poor and the sick. He also talked about Laura Edwards, who was with her, a, who was a widow, a medical doctor, and pushing 80 years old. And they were serving together when the brakes gave out on their car and they went plunging over a cliff and died. 
And that's how they gave their life to the Lord. Piper said, this is not a tragedy. This is glorious. This is glorious. And then he added this. He said, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. (laughs) I'll read to you from Reader's Digest what a tragedy is. Frank and Penny took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. He said, that's a tragedy. Are you a seashell Christian? Is your goal in life is to get comfortable and collect seashells? Barnabas wasn't. Barnabas was known. He was trusted. He was experienced. I think he was older. And God sent him out on the first missionary effort ever recorded with Paul. It made a huge difference. The Holy Spirit can send anyone, even you, known, trusted, and experienced. How about Simeon and Lucius? Simeon and Lucius, they were cross-cultural missionaries. So these are the kind of people that we don't see where they went. They were were kind of set aside by the church at Antioch, and they were cross-cultural. They were not from Antioch. Simeon and Lucius were different than the Jews and Greeks. Simeon was called Niger. It means black in Latin. And Lucius of Cyrene. Well, Cyrene is in northern Africa in modern-day Libya. So they're out of place in Antioch. It's not their home culture. And yet, God was setting them aside for a special work. Maybe you don't feel like culturally at home here. Or maybe if God were to send you to someplace like Chile or, or Brazil or, uh, or Afghanistan or Argentina, you would feel completely out of place culturally. Maybe God wants to do that. Maybe he wants you to be like Simeon and Lucius. I know that being in New England was a little culturally different for me. <laughs> And yet he's given me a love for this place. Like a love-hate, you know, it's, it is Massachusetts and New England, so it's a good thing. God uses Barnabas to become this, this trusted missionary and then Simeon and Lucius to be cross-cultural missionaries. He also uses this guy named Manaean. I'd put him in that category of ministry to the rich and powerful says he was a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. So this is not Herod the Great that uh, killed you know, the infants in, Jerusalem, in uh, Bethlehem. This is not Herod Ag- uh, Agrippa who executed James, one of the 12 disciples. This is Herod Antipas, who is like the uncle. So the son of Herod the Great, uncle of Herod Agrippa. He executed John the Baptist. He, and he was friends with Manaean. And so God sovereignly put Manaean in his life, in that crowd of the rich and the wealthy. And we know that people that were wealthy came to Christ. Lydia, we read about her. She was a, a businesswoman. So God needs people to, to minister not just to the poor, that's so important, 
but also to the rich, because all people are valuable and all people matter to God. Uh, at my doctorate of ministry program, another uh, one of my mentors mentioned um, Dwight L. Moody. Maybe you are familiar with him. He founded Moody Bible Institute and did great works of evangelism. Well, one of the reasons Dwight L. Moody was able to found Moody Bible Institute is because of ministry to the rich and powerful. One of the things that made him uh, unique or perhaps effective was that he wasn't afraid to disciple the rich (laughs) and to go to them and say, hey, you got millions of dollars. Let's direct that right here (laughs) and use it in a God-honoring way. One of his most famous investors, John V. Farwell, founded Marshall Fields. Is anyone here familiar with Marshall Fields? I knew you guys would be. (laughs) I don't know what Marshall Fields is. But apparently Macy's acquired it in 2005. God might be calling you to ministry to the rich and powerful. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go out and make disciples every tribe, every nation. I believe this is like a geographic call, but I also believe it's a social one. Every realm of society needs people to know and love and follow Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit can call anyone for anything. And then there's Paul, or Saul, up till this point. He is the budding all-star. He is clearly gifted for ministry. Barnabas had to travel up to Tarshish to look for Saul in his kind of home, home region. They brought him back to Antioch, and then what did they do? They together discipled and preached to this community for an entire year. And it's clear through the course of this time that, that Saul is someone who is especially gifted in a unique way to communicate the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, that he is especially effective And man, when you recognize those people that are especially effective in your church community, that you love, that are gifted, the Lord calls them elsewhere, it's hard. You know, I think of uh, Terry, right? He's very gifted, and I miss him. God might have more people in this church that are just as gifted in different ways and want to call them out of this church. And we can fight against that, or we can just say, go, go. We support you. We love you. You are a budding all-star. Go with God. Go with the Holy Spirit. And then see how the Lord grows them and us. Some of you know Francis Chan. He's like this very famous author, pastor. He's, just, he's famous for kind of being super passionate about Jesus and the gospel and being really serious about what the scriptures say. And back before Francis Chan was Francis Chan, uh, when he was a teenager, one of the things the Lord used to convict him was his youth pastor. He asked this question. He said, this is the youth pastor to Francis Chan. What would your church and the worldwide church look like if everyone was as committed as you are? So what would your church and the worldwide church look like if everyone was as committed as you are? Would it be like an amazing church or would it be kind of a, well, no one's actually going to church. (laughs) Would people be growing in their faith and being discipled or something else? What could God do if we were all fully devoted to him as individuals, as a church body? The Holy Spirit can call anyone. And so the question is, is God calling you to ministry? Is he calling you to missions? How do you know? 
Well, the Holy Spirit calls through the congregation. So the church body came together and set aside a special time to worship the Lord, fast, and pray. And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. Verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. I think it's fascinating here in, in verse 3, it says that, uh, that the congregation sent them off. And then a verse said, it says, So being sent by the Holy Spirit... They went down to Seleucia. So which one is it? Did the congregation send Barnabas and Saul, or did the Holy Spirit send Barnabas and Saul? Well, yes, both. The Holy Spirit spoke through the congregation and, and made his will known. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but he did it. And there was people in the church that were willing to say, send Barnabas, send Saul. They're an amazing pair. Uh, you know, when I went to seminary, my home church had to affirm it. Back in Colorado, they wrote like a letter of endorsement to send me to seminary. And uh, Monica said I could share her story, but she was actually going to go to law school. Did you guys know that? Like after college, she was going to go to law school. She took the LSATs, did very good. I don't know what her score was. You can ask her. Uh, but then her youth pastor, Dana Smith, took her aside, youth pastor and his wife, Kristen, and they said, hey, you seem to really like working with youth in youth ministry. Maybe instead of going to law school, you should go to seminary. <laughs> Molly was like, yes, I'll do that. That's kind of how we met. Her church family recognized gifting and calling and said, hey, go and do that. We need that. And the Holy Spirit makes his will known through prayer, through fasting. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Are we taking time to pray and ask the Lord and really seek him to say, hey, would you raise up people from our church to go out, to do Christian ministry, to do church ministry, to do missions work? Fasting, like hungering for this, hungering for God. And if you're full, sometimes it's hard to hear from God. Sometimes it's hard to sense your need for God. Are we full as a church body? We're like, we're good, we're okay, everything's comfortable. Or are we going through a time of fasting where we're saying, I really want to know God. And if you're wondering if God is calling you to ministry, I will fast with you. I will pray with you. I will call the entire church to pray with you if that's something you feel called to do, if you feel comfortable doing that. And we can pray together. God, would you reveal to this person, would you reveal to us as a church community if this person is called to ministry? I've shared this illustration before, and I feel like it's a John Piper day, but really it's just a Bible day, and, and uh, his illustrations stick out to me. But uh, I shared a story that belonged originally to Carl Lundquist, the president of Bethel College. He founded a missions movement, and he said this. So this is Carl Lundquist, Piper's quoting him. My own serious considerations of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Jun Gon Kim in Seoul, Korea. Is it true, I asked him, that you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it is true. Dr. Kim was chairman of the crusade, expected to bring a million people to Yoido, Yoido Plaza. But six months before the meeting, the police informed him that they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at that time was in political turmoil and Seoul was under martial law. The officers decided that they could not risk 
uh, having so many people in one place. So Dr. Kim and some associates went to a prayer mountain and there spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for the crusade. Then they returned and made their way to the police station. Oh, said the officer when he saw Dr. Kim, we have changed our mind and you may have your meeting. (laughs) God uses prayer and fasting. And he might use it in your life as well. I remember when I was at the farm credit admin, I, 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 I set my watch to noon. And for six months, I tried to pray for my coworker every day who needed to know Jesus. And over the course of that six months, God made seminary clear to me. I don't know if that was, like I wasn't really praying about seminary all the time, but I was praying for him. And I think God does something when we take the time to pray and to seek him. He makes his will known. Is God calling you to ministry? He might be. He might be, but it will cost you. This is not an easy path. See, the Holy Spirit calls you to the cruciform, calls you the cruci- to the cruciform life. We'll see in Acts that Paul endures beatings, being stoned, shipwrecked, execution, alienation from his fellow Jews. Church tradition says that Barnabas was also martyred. And so I think we need to hear the words. If we're, if we're seriously considering you know, missions work, this, this call from Jesus is a call to every Christian, but we need to hear it. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus. And so will you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus? That's what it means to be called to ministry. And the only way we can do that is because Jesus denied himself, picked up his cross, and followed his Father's will. And he went all the way to the cross, and there he laid down his life. He gave down his life as a living sacrifice, which God might be calling you to do. And he actually died to pay the penalty for our sins And then he rose from the grave, giving us new life, eternal life. And if we repent of our sins and believe in him, we receive that eternal life. It's like, wow, if we have that eternal life, just like our new foundation verse says, like, let's let's share it with others so that they can confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, so that they can be saved. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to do this, but God might be calling you to that. So pick up your cross and come and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word. Thank you for this message. Lord, if there's anyone in here or anyone online who you are calling to to full-time Christian ministry or missions work, would you help them discern that and help us as a church to empower them and to encourage that calling? We're excited to see what you're going to do, Lord, because you're raising up the next generation, and we want to be a part of that. Help us to do that as a church body. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.